This is Office Hours with the Practical Prop and Friends with me, Dr. Santo D. Marabella, your workplace advisor and teacher. Hello and welcome to Office Hours with the Practical Prop and Friends. And this is episode three. Wow. Um, I'm real excited. Uh, each episode you know, is um, with friends. So I am very excited about this episode because, of course, it's also with a dear friend. And the topic today is celebrating, you know, because it is just the season to celebrate, but it's celebrating differences, celebrating diversity. We all too often, I think, talk about diversity, even though we've been talking about this for years, I think sometimes we still talk about it as something we have to accept or put up with. And that that just ain't good enough. <laughs> and what um, my guest will share with us today from her perspective, too, is, you know, I, I think we can do better. I think we can celebrate our differences. And sometimes those differences start with just difference of, of, of opinion, just how we think differently. But I'm excited. Uh, this episode is all about celebrating differences. And I want you to welcome my guest, um, Amy Young. Amy's a longtime City of Reading resident. Uh, she is a public school teacher. And some of you may know her, I'm sure, as a, a fine actor in community and professional theater um, here in the greater Reading area where we're kind of headquartered out as, but, uh, you know, Great actors are um, just all over this little community we have here, so I'm very excited. So, Amy, welcome, and thanks for uh, joining me today. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. We always <laughs> have fun when we talk, and we always get into these these cool issues and talking about real stuff. I remember uh, we came back from New York, and we were talking about real stuff all the way back, and I thought about I still remember that you? conversation. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think, I think it, it kind of mediated my, my driving because it makes people feel a little more comfortable if, we, if I can distract them from my terrible driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was fine. I know you are, but uh, don't talk to too many of my other friends. They will not agree <laughs> with you there. Listen, so I, we've got so much to talk about in the next 20 or so minutes, but I want, I want people to get a, a little bit of, of uh, your background. So tell me what, what it was like growing up as... Um, as Amy Young, um, were you accepted in the neighborhood? Were you um, accepted later in school and college as as a woman of color? I mean, just just generally, like what when you look back, how was it? Well, it's so funny you should ask that because this podcast is about celebrating differences. But I grew up in a working class, predominantly, vastly predominantly black neighborhood. So there wasn't that kind of diversity that I have learned to celebrate. But it was beautiful growing up. Um, we were surrounded by other communities, though, Italian communities, Jewish communities, Irish communities, German communities, so uh, Eastern European communities. So in going to school, we were definitely a melting pot or a mixed salad, a tossed salad, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I had a beautiful, beautiful time growing up in the 70s in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I always felt accepted. Um, probably my most challenging experience was at college because I did feel cut off from community. I went to Penn State uh, main campus, vastly predominantly white with a very small uh, uh, 
black uh, student body. Mm-hmm. But somehow I made that work for me as well. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting because that is the other side of diversity because uh, growing up, you know, I, a lot of people that I have spoken with who would be students at the college, uh, that wasn't the case. They were, they were growing up in a, in a very predominantly white um, community. So when you, um, you know, you've been teaching for... Um, 20 years. Is it 20? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about a little bit about some of the, the challenges or achievements as an as a educator of color? Now, what's interesting about that is, um, as a female, uh, it's, I think we accept females in elementary school far more easily than we accept males in elementary school. And I disagree with that. I wish we had more males um, on our faculties all over the state, all over the country in elementary school. By the same token, being a woman of color, if I were serving in an urban area, um, I would just be one of one of the teachers. But I am in a suburban district, and there are very few teachers of color in this particular district. So I think it's maybe a personal challenge for me to feel like I have to represent. But mm-hmm. I also feel that as a female teacher of color, I'm able to reach children who otherwise would not be reached and served properly. And I also find that most children are really curious. They, because they're growing up in a predominantly white area and they're like, wow, this is different. And this year in particular, I have the United Nations. Every year I've had a very diverse class, but this year these children want to talk about it. They want to talk about their Lebanese families, their East Indian families, their Haitian families. And we have a, maybe once a week, someone starts the conversation and we celebrate one another's differences. So I think it's easy for me to just dive in there and talk about it and celebrate them. Yeah. And, you know, when I say, and that's really what I mean. I mean, I look at this as a continuum on the far left is tolerance or maybe non-acceptance. Then there's tolerance, then there's acceptance. And as we go to the other side of that continuum, it's celebrating. And so I, it's really neat to hear that. Um, I don't know that we know what that looks like for some people. If, you know, what do you do? Have a party about <laughs> being this color, that color, this this gender, that gender? It, it's not. It's just, tell, how do students get, or do students get it, this whole idea of celebrating? We've... I don't know. Thematically, we would do things as teachers and assemblies and things like that to help them to celebrate differences and to try to be tolerant. I don't think the issue is with the children. I think the issue is with the adults. And it's one thing to have a party or an assembly, but another to Mm. genuinely and authentically celebrate everyone every day. So I don't necessarily, because I believe, I I don't believe in the social construct of race. I do believe that we are just on a color spectrum, a physical marking spectrum. That's really all we are. Um, But we're more alike than we are different. Um, Right. But I don't need for anyone to necessarily celebrate me. I can do that really well all by myself. But I think what I would like to see is just more respect for everyone as you said whether it's gender based or um or culturally based 
just look at something and say, just because you look different than me or eat differently than I do, um, tell me. And I might not celebrate it. I might just be curious about it. We don't have to celebrate everything. Just have some genuine positive curiosity about someone who's different from you or thinks differently than you do. That's that's really neat. That that's a, that theme always strikes me because, um, you know, working with Lynn Nottage for the years that she was here with us, she would always talk about her process as curiosity without judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, wow, that really, I really get that. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard, I think, for people to do And I'm not good at it, but I get it. <laughs> and especially if you have never had to do it. Perhaps as a woman of color, it comes more easily to me because I have had to do that. Yeah. I have had to be curious as a matter of survival. I have had to pay attention. I have had to ask questions just as a matter of psychic survival. So, and not everybody has to do that. Yeah. And I think not only from conversations and being with you and experiences with you and other friends, um, but the, the time with Lynn, I think I really got a better sense of my privilege as a white male, that I have a responsibility to use that privilege. Okay, I, I have it, and I have to acknowledge and, and accept that, but I can use it, pardon the expression, for good um, by making sure that I'm advocating and being the ally and being the person who's always wanting to make it clear and inclusive. Mm-hmm. And I just find that life is just so much more fun when there are other types of people around, when you have something to talk about, you can learn something that you didn't know before. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't see why people just want to hang around with people who look like them and think like them. I don't get it. Yeah. No, I don't either. What, you know, as you look back, what would have made your journey to where you are now? Because you're, you're so well respected. You're so competent. You're so involved and engaged I'm guessing that wasn't always that easy. What would have made it easier? You know what's funny is we're talking about diversity of all thi- of all types. I wish I had admitted to myself at an earlier age that I did not need to be mated. I did not need to be married. Okay. That I had fallen into this homogeneous social construct once again that young women needed to be married. I wish I had just said, you know, you don't. I think that would have made my journey far more easy and far more satisfying. I think I would have found myself sooner. Wow. I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not to say, this is not to say that I would have ruled it out completely, but I would have really taken my time and really celebrated me. <laughs> no, no, I get that. Um, I mean, there's lots of pressure on us to do what we think society wants mm-hmm. us to do. I mean, for people... For, for youth of, of um, where orientation is an issue, you know, that pressure to come out mm-hmm. or not come out, or the pressure to, to be straight or the pressure to be normal or whatever mm-hmm. that is, you know. So, I, yeah, that's, that's a really, really important insight. And I think we need to celebrate those young women who make that decision that, no, I don't want to do that, and also celebrate women mature women who made that decision. They said, you know, I don't want to be married. I don't need to be married. And just affirm that decision that we're not all going to get married and have a white picket fence, a dog and a cat and two kids. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, oh, you know, it's funny. Cause I wanted to, when you said the salad, <laughs> I love that. I, I heard that from Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm. It's, I think that's it. Yeah. We probably heard it on the same day. I, I was at a conference of ha- public housing when I used to be involved in public housing. I heard her say this. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know then how wonderful and great this was, what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. It totally changes it from something, you know, because I always use the example that I'm not too thrilled about onions, <laughs> but you know what? They still make, they still make a good damn salad. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't like There's onions. a place for onions in a salad. Right, right. There's a place. Exactly. And it, it adds to the richness. So I, when you said that, I was like, I got a smile on my face, even though you can't see it because we're on a podcast. But I got a little smile. Um, let's take a short break because I want to tell our listeners about this uh, really cool product. And I don't know if you've ever used something like this, Amy. It's called Instacart. Um, and what it is, it is a service that goes shopping to the grocery store for you. And I checked out. Um, it is in our our area. I think it's in the uh, region, like the uh, greater metro Philly region, South Jersey, Philly, uh, Reading um, and Lehigh Valley, and what it does is uh, they hand select what you order. Um, it delivers to your door in as fast as one hour. That uh, Instacart highlights uh, deals to help you save money, and I did check that out. I, I haven't used the service, so I can't really say, um, but I did some as much research as I could. And some prices are a little bit lower. Some of the prices might be a little higher. A lot of them are about the same. But you can get whatever you usually get at a grocery store. And um, it comes to your door. And, you know, I, uh, one of my first episodes, I think it was uh, episode one, we talked about caregiving. And uh, and we, you and I could talk about that one, too. <laughs> yes. uh, we talked about caregiving. And I thought that would be such a uh, really helpful, helpful service for some folks um, who, who are caregivers or who um, have loved ones who need that service. So I just wanted to tell folks about that. Have you ever used one of those services? I have not, but I would consider it because the older I get, the less I want to get out of my car. <laughs> I, believe, I believe I would. No, you got to be in motion. We know that. We got to keep moving. <laughs> oh. So let, let's talk, let's switch gears a little bit for the second part and talk a little bit about theater. <laughs> and, you know, we have, um, you and I have worked together on a number of projects, um, not only you as an actor, but you um, in, a, in a board or committee position. And our challenge seems to be that, you know, we want more diversity on our stages. We want more diversity in our audiences. So I'm just gonna put it out. What What do you think and I don't think it's just a Reading problem or a local problem. I think it's probably much bigger. But what, where are you on this? What do you think would help? Based on what I've seen over the past 30 years that I've been involved here in Berks County, um, you're not going to get diverse audiences until you have their families in, in the shows. That's when people right. will start to come and then they start to get hooked. Um, it's hard to do because you do have to set up relationships. Probably the easiest way to do it would be to really reach out to the 
Black and Hispanic, Latino, Asian churches in the Reading area and Mm -hmm. just have auditions for everyone. There is so much talent in these communities of color that it is amazing. Um, And once their kids are cast or once they're cast in a show, their whole family and their friends and their church are going to have to come see them. So now we increase Mm -hmm. ticket sales. This sounds mercenary, but that's what you need to do. That's what I think. I think that's one step. I I completely agree. Absolutely. Directly invite them, implore them, beg them, please audition. And we'll, we, we need a bank. Yeah. Yeah. We need a bench. So yeah, I've been saying that for a while. It just, uh, for some reason, you know, the initiative hasn't taken quite fire yet, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think, I think the high schools really get this. They, they have, there's a reason they have big musicals with 40 kids in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have plays too, but they know the plays are maybe eight to 10 kids and that's fine, but they're not going to draw like the musicals draw because everybody right. has to come see their kids. So you're exactly right. right. I think also, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, the content, what we present, you know, I, and I think we're do, we, we agreed to an extent, but there's one point that I know you made. Like I say, you know, you can't, I love sound of music, but you can't do sound of music all the time and expect people of different backgrounds to get it or enjoy it. And then I, I'll, I'll never forget the one, your one comment was, yeah, but we can do sound of music differently. <laughs> why, can't we yeah. cast, why can't we cast people of differences of uh, backgrounds that are different, different in the show? And I'm like, you know, why can't we? <laughs> There's no reason. Yeah. We need the black version and the Spanish version and the Japanese version. And you know what? They might be out there. You know, their story is a story about oppression. But, um, yeah, I think yeah. we and I think we do alternative casting here in Berks County really, really well. So I don't think we need to worry yeah. about that. But there are so many shows that um, they could easily accommodate the entire spectrum of color. <laughs> yeah. I like the way you describe it as, you know, on the scales of different colors as opposed yeah. to that's very cool. Yeah, um, we're kind of like cats, you know, a cat's a cat, but then you have different, they just look different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just, we're, we're just people. We're, we're not black people and white people and brown people. We're just people. I like that. With different physical markings. That's what we are. Wouldn't that make things so much easier if that's how everybody really looked it, at it? How everybody really thought it would. Now, when <sighs> you get into those, and I really think so much of it is the cultural differences. So, yeah. but here again, you know, and I guess it's interesting to me, my father worked three jobs when we were young and he, uh, different kinds of families and he cleans an apartment building that had all different kinds of people in it. And I had my first Lebanese food from one of the tenants. And then I'm like, oh, well, I think I like Lebanese food now. And there was a German family. Oh, and she always made cookies and strudels. So, you know, yeah. So, you know, and my mom worked for a um, a Jewish family where she was a seamstress. And every Christmas he would send home this big basket of Jewish delicacies. Wow. So now I like chopped liver. So right. it's just exposure. For me, it was exposure. Positive exposure. That's really neat. What, going forward, you know, I think we still have a lot of work to do. Um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh. we're in, we're are we in preschool racially? I think we're still uh, racially in preschool. I think we went back to preschool. 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we were in second Maybe. grade. And now- right, right. And, you know, I talk about this again. I'm, I'm into these continuums on the board and I talk about this in training or, or academic classes. And I say, you know, 1964, well, I'm not so sure how far we've gone or, or gone forward on that journey. Um, what do we need? What do we need to do? What do we need to focus on now? I think we came, we've come a long way since those first slaves landed um, in 1619. We've come a long way, but it, we, I don't think everybody realizes how fragile the progress is. We keep taking steps forward, but it's so fragile. One stiff wind can just blow it all away. And we're seeing that now. Yeah. So I really think everybody needs to get involved in the political process especially at the local level. It sounds silly, but politics is local. We have to pay attention to whom they're putting on the courts. Yep. Who, who's handling our money. So therefore, you know, we were taught civics, I believe. You know, we actually had classes in how you think about who you're voting for. We don't do that anymore. No, we don't. Hmm. Because you see what can happen. One election can just turn things all the way around. I think that's a really interesting and, and helpful way to f- describe it, this, the fr- fragile nature of the progress. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I, I see it um, too, too linear probably as, yeah, we're going forward, now we're going backwards. But if we, if we think of it the way you describe as fragile, then throughout the process, we're always going to be the trustees and always going to be really careful about how we handle. It's like handling fine China or, or yes. And I don't care if it's uh, with regard to race or gender or gender identity, because women's rights, we see how fragile they are. Yeah. They're, we're about to go back to that bedroom barefoot and naked. Okay. That's, that's where, if we're, if we're not careful about how we're thinking about who we're voting for, LGBTQIA, come on now. Yeah, yeah. It's fragile. Immigration laws, it's fragile. It really is. It really is. That's that's really important insight. What, um, and just to remind our listeners, I'm talking with Amy Young, who is an educator, um, a city of Reading uh, resident, as well as a well-respected and exciting uh, actor in uh, regional community theater. So, you know, I love that I'm, I have the benefit of being, being around students because I feel more hopeful. And I'm hoping that that's your experience. Um, what, do, what would you say to women graduating from college or, or just students in general ready to go into this world about keeping the fragility in mind, but also moving us forward? I'm not a big one for advice. I think this was the hardest one for me to actually think about. Um, Specifically when it comes to women of color, I would say to them, don't ever do double the work for half the pay. I'm going to get a lot of blowback on that because our communities have taught us you're going to have to work twice as hard or 10 times as hard to get half as much as they do. And I think we should have rejected that 100 years ago. Yeah. And we were if if you are doing that then you need a plan B and probably a plan C because you're wasting energy 
And that energy could be better used doing something where you are not being financially disrespected that way. So just think about that. If you get yourself caught up in that, rethink what you want. And then my other piece would be keep your eyes on the prize. Everybody has to go through something, but keep your eyes on the ultimate prize that you want. Um, For all the other children, for everyone else who's graduating, um, that's hard because there are just, you know what? Don't fret. (laughs) Seriously, right now we have given these children so much to fret about that a 16-year-old child has to get on, on, on a raft across the Atlantic just to talk about climate change. That's crazy. So pick one thing that you want to make better and you go and do that with all your heart. Don't for you can't, you can't solve everything. You can't change everything. Um, There have always been the sayers of gloom and doom since, since mankind. So yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to get through this. Don't fret. Yep. I, I, um, I try to talk about, you know, making a difference or changing my world because I can't necessarily change the world, but there's this mm-hmm. circle of people that we come in contact with. And I think I, I, I do really feel hopeful around students. Um, I really feel like this, this generation um, really cares and I think is willing to step up and do more. They have to, Yeah, yeah. they have to, <laughs> they don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anything exciting coming up for you? Um, you have holiday traditions that that uh, you like or that you are uh, going to start? Well, this will be the first year that I am not hosting Thanksgiving. So yeah. we're breaking with tradition this year and we're going to my brother's house for Thanksgiving. But we have what you would call a conventional Thanksgiving. All we do is eat and drink and watch TV and maybe go to a movie. Right, right, right. So yeah, and this will also be yeah. So yeah, yeah. Christmas coming up and yeah, Christmas is coming up. I've I've decorated less over the years. Also a very traditional Christmas, um, but yeah. So I have my little well lit Charlie Brown tree, as I call it, and some <laughs> stockings. And then here again, it's just the eating and the drinking and the celebrating with family and friends. And I don't buy gifts. I haven't bought gifts for maybe fifteen years now. Good for you. Yeah, I know. We do some, I do special things, but yeah, no. Right, right. You won't catch me out Christmas Eve. Yeah, I, I like, I like the, the con- connecting that we do, the fellowship, the, you know, being with people, definitely the eating. <laughs> <laughs> I love all that stuff. And, and I just, I used to, you know, Thanksgiving, we just finished Thanksgiving would be my favorite because it was, I always said it was Christmas without the, Without all the hassle. Right. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> You're right. Gosh. Well, I'm hoping that this um, this holiday season for you and mom and, and the rest of your family is just really peaceful and, and wonderful and um, has all the goodness that, that you all deserve because it's, um, it's a good place to be um, and a good time for us to kind of connect and reconnect with friends mm-hmm. and family. Yep. So all the best. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. With well, this. thank you for inviting me, Santo. It was a pleasure. So um, this has uh, been Office Hours and our episode three. Um, it's a couple of things to remind you about. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, 
there's a little button wherever you're listening, whatever directory you, whatever player you have, if it's Apple or, or Spotify or uh, Stitcher or any of those, I'll check that out. And um, there's a, there's, as I said, our, uh, the uh, Instacart, if you're interested in that, you can check that out. That's all on our webpage on Buzzsprout, but it's also on the various directories that you can find. So this has been um, our holiday celebrating, as we said, celebrating differences. And think about how you can celebrate differences in your own way. How can you bring a little bit of peace, a little bit more peacefulness to your world? You know, as I said, we can't change the world maybe, but but these bringing it local, as, as Amy said, whether it's government or just community, uh, everything that we do uh, makes a positive difference or it doesn't. So let's, let's keep that positive. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Office Hours. This has been Office Hours with the Practical Prof and Friends, a production of Marabella Enterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Practical Prof and Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at The Practical Prof. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved.